We've been set free from the law of sin and death, and we've been set free from the unresolved guilt we carry, and we've been set free from the uh, emotional reflexive guilt that we have whenever we feel we make a mistake or do not do something we should or we don't measure up. And so we've been set free from all that. However, you have to learn how to stay in that freedom. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast designed to help you learn how to study the Bible for yourself by showing you how to look into the historical, philosophical, and cultural background in which it was written. The reason why the Salty Pastor Podcast is so different is because we are trying to get you to think for yourself. Remember, what you believe is the most important thing about you. Therefore, you should know what you believe and why you believe it. We're here to we're here for you, and we hope that this podcast helps you grow in your faith. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do this without the one, the only, the salty pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. Greetings, everyone. It's good to be with you today for another exciting and enthralling well, it might help if I could learn how to speak <laughs> if I'm going to be a salty pastor. That does, the podcast does require A speaking. thrilling or enthralling experience. <laughs> See what happens when you try to put two words together? It never makes any sense. It's That's called miscombuberation. Oh, okay. That's what, <laughs> that's what I call it. And so it's good to be with you, everybody. I hope you're feeling salty today as we kind of uh, get ready to finish off our series on guilt and your relationship with it. Absolutely. And we are, we are at the end of it. And um, it's been a great series. I think people are really discovering the relationship that they have with guilt and how uh-huh. much of an impact it has on their lives. That unresolved guilt is toxic for the soul. That God's will is that we are sanctified, that we're set free from that guilt. One uh-huh. part of this is being set free from the influence of that guilt, right? Uh-huh. It's sometimes we don't even know that's what's happening to us. Uh-huh. And so uh, the discovery of that is just as important. And then finally, the way we deal with unresolved guilt is through confession. Um, Those are the three things we've talked about so far. How are we rounding out the series? Well, I want to encourage everyone uh, to really think about and embrace the fact that the work of the soul that you're doing is really critical to your spiritual growth, and it pays off a huge dividend. And you don't want to go back and have to do this work over and over again. Mm. And I want to finish this series out by saying, you know, we've really built the case that the Bible teaches that at the work of the cross, you've been set from the guilt of not meeting the perfect standard, the law. And so we've been set free from that. But that also means we've been delivered from guilt and shame, the shame that we're incomplete, the shame that we're not enough, that we make mistakes, that we're flawed, that we're failures, and we're freed from the bondage that Satan used that over us to manipulate us, deceive us, control us. And so we've been set free from that. We've been set free from the law of sin and death, and we've been set free from the unresolved guilt we carry, and we've been set free from the uh, emotional reflexive guilt that we have whenever we feel we make a mistake or do not do something we should or we don't measure up. And so we've been set free from all that. However, you have to learn how to stay in that freedom. Mm. And that's what we're going to study today. And that is what do you do to stay there? Because it's a constant battle to kind of pull you back into that old way of thinking. And, you know, 
it takes a long time to where you do something and then you don't feel guilty if it wasn't what you expected or you're, you know, violate some code or you think you did something wrong. Even when right. you didn't, you still have that feeling. Oops, did I do something wrong. It takes a while to get that out of your system. Mm. Sometimes it never happens, but I think it's important that as you do that soul work, that's paying off huge dividends of freedom in your life. You've also got to realize, okay, how does the world try to get me to go backwards instead of forwards? And so we're going to study Galatians chapter five, where Paul addresses this issue and he, he addresses it practically and he addresses it doctrinally and he addresses it spiritually. So there's three levels of things that are going on here and I want you to catch them all. Okay. And so let me read it real quick. I'm, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I think I'm just going to read about the first 14 or 15 verses because that will help us get uh, a working knowledge of what's going on here. And you have to remember that first and foremost, the book of Galatians was written because the Galatians were Gentiles in the city of Galatia, the region of Galatia that had come to Christ on one of Paul's missionary journeys. So they accepted the gospel. They accepted Jesus. What happened is afterwards there were Jewish believers mm. that came after him and said to, uh, the Galatians that, well, you're not really followers of Christ. You're not really saved. You're not really set free. You're not really redeemed unless you also adopt the Jewish law. Okay. Okay. And this of course, you know, made Paul very unhappy because, well, the whole point of Christ coming was that the law could not do what it was intended to do. And that is make us holy. Only the death of Jesus can make us holy and righteous. And this is of course the whole point of the, uh, first uh, apostolic convention in Acts chapter 15, where Paul and Barnabas go and say, Hey, these guys are coming after us and they're upsetting the faith of Gentiles. And so the apostles all get together, they talk about it and they basically say, we're not going to require them to follow the Jewish law or convert to Judaism at all. Now, the biggest way in which you convert to, Ju to Judaism particularly in the first century, is that it was something males did. And if the male did, then the rest of the family did it. And the way you converted is you had to go through a basic uh, training and understanding of it. But the biggest act that shifted you over from non-Jewish to a full Jewish person is you got circumcised. Right. And so circumcision becomes like the banner thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you would throw it under the idea of like it's – I mean, you see it basically refuted in a lot of the New Testament letters, right? Correct. Like a lot of the epistles are this thing of like, you don't need to go get circumcised. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just basically whoever's writing that letter basically screaming out into the void of stop telling everyone or stop believing these people that are telling you you have to go get circumcised because it's basically like a it's the quote unquote write a passage or it's the, yeah. this is the only way for you to actually do the thing. Right. Is, and, and I'm it wasn't circum. Good... Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't just circumcision itself. It was what the circumcision represented, represented. Right. that what you were committing your life to, which was right? the Jewish law. Right? Yeah. The, to keep the whole law. And so anyway, so he writes this letter to the Galatians to say, don't let these people bewitch you. And so now, so there's the, that's the practical mm -hmm. and that's the doctrinal. Okay. Is that, well, Jesus Christ is the new covenant. The Jewish law is the old covenant. Okay. okay. And it, it's not that it was bad. It just couldn't do what it was intended to do. Only Christ can do what is intended to do, right. which is bestow the righteousness of God upon you. And this is what he says in verse one. It was for freedom 
that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, tell you that if you have yourselves circumcised, Christ will be of no benefit to you. I testify again to every man who has himself circumcised that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You will then have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. You see, what was the law? Therefore, to show us this is what righteousness is. Right. But nobody could ever keep it. Nobody ever could do it. It was basically a measuring stick to show you how far you didn't measure exactly. up. Right? And so he says, we who are in the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. So I, what the Jews were taught is, you can't live up to it, so you have to do these sacrifices to pay mm-hmm. the difference. And he says those things can't do it. Only Christ can do it because he was the perfect lamb of God. And so he's saying we are now waiting for the hope of righteousness, which is what? That the righteousness of God would be bestowed upon us. And he goes, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him, Christ, who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view. But the one who is disturbing you will bear the punishment, whoever he is. But as for me, brothers and sisters, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been eliminated. I wish that those who are troubling you would even emasculate themselves. So this is probably one of the saltiest things Paul's ever written. He says, I wish they would cut off their own genitals. Yes. (laughs) Some people say, oh, the Bible is just, you know, it's just these really nice, lovey, flowery statements. There's some uh, some strong (laughs) things. Strong, salty things in the Bible. Verse 13. For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love the neighbor, your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Yeah, I think just having this context of, okay, he's basically speaking out against these people that are saying, you need to go and live under this old law. Like, you need mm-hmm. to go back to the way things were, right? And it plays into, I assume you brought this up for a reason, which is, it was these people saying, no, let's go back to the old way or like, let's drag you back to the place that you used to be. And we don't know necessarily their um, intentions of it, but it wasn't the way that it wasn't what Jesus has called us to. Right. He Mm -hmm. didn't say, I want I want you to keep doing what you used to do. And Paul basically points out, no, the whole reason he came was to set you free from having to do all that stuff. Like, right. so you choosing to go back to it is what I'm getting out of this. You choosing to go back out to that nullifies everything he did for you. And now you're going to be judged under that old law and you yes. can never live up. Yeah. You never will meet the, the standard. Correct. Of the old law. Yeah. And, but you're cutting yourself off from the, the redemption and the, and the gift that he has offered you when you say, Oh yeah, we're going to keep doing this thing. Yes. So when you see that where you've been set free, in Jesus from condemnation, it really can change the way you 
perceive your guilt, I would say as well, right? Because this is talking about laws and things that we don't necessarily think about on a daily basis, but our relationship with guilt is something that we may or may not think about on a daily basis, but definitely affects us on a daily basis. And us choosing to fall back into guilt is just like the Jewish people choosing to go back to the old ways, right? Yeah, yeah let us go back to Egypt. Where it's warm and secure. Remember the the yeah, Israelites? They, they yeah, get set, they get set free yeah. from Pharaoh. They're out like what a couple of days. They're yeah. like, let's go, go back. back to it slavery. Back let's go back. I mean, the hours weren't great, but I mean, we had a house. <laughs> exactly. So, talk to me. Let's walk walk me through the the biblical principles of making okay. sure that we don't regress into. All right, that's a good question. Thing. Kind of break it down step by yeah, step. Yeah, yeah. And I think the first thing is is that we have to realize. Okay, the practical thing is, is he's saying, don't get circumcised because it doesn't benefit you. But that's the practical, right? right? Then there's the doctrinal. He says, well, because you're doing something, regardless of what it is, in this case, circumcision, but he's saying regardless of what it is, to try and obtain righteousness on your own. So you've met Christ. Now you're trying to get more righteousness on your own. Mm-hmm. And he says, what this actually does is sever you from Christ. You're not getting more righteousness. All you're doing is you're severing yourself from the very thing that made you righteous. Right. And then on top of that, you know, now we go to the spiritual level. He says, what's really fascinating about this is that, you know, you, you're, you're saved by grace, right? And we're, we have the, we are waiting for the hope of righteousness, meaning that comes from Christ and faith. Christ is going to bestow that on us. And now you're trying to gain righteousness of your own and it severs you from Christ. And so what happens is now you fall back into all of the stuff he set you free from. Right. And the main thing that he set you free from was condemnation, right? And condemnation is synonymous with guilt and shame. Condemnate. It's not the exact same thing, but it's condemnation is the gap. Okay, and this is, I call it the gap. And what that means is if there's a standard, let's say it's my personal standard, and if I don't live up to my own expectations of myself, right, there's a gap between what I expect of myself and what I actually do. Well, that gap is where guilt lives. Okay. Now, sometimes there is an objective standard outside of me. Like the Bible says, it's wrong to murder somebody, okay, or it's wrong to cheat somebody. And so if I cheat somebody, guess what? I feel there's a gap between what is expected, the standard, and what I did. That gap is where guilt exists. The gap is called condemnation. It's just simply there's a gap between where you're at and the perfect standard. That's called condemnation. You're judged on your inability of that gap. So what happens is guilt exists in that gap. That's where it it lives and it breathes and it, it... fueled and so forth festers it festers and grows so it's in the gap so here are the biblical uh principles in order to not allow condemnation to hold you captive to guilt okay and number one he says this christ did the work on the cross that we might be free paul specifically references his specific reference is the law that's a term he uses um, he didn't do, he says, Christ didn't do what he did. So we switch from one oppression to the other. So he's just saying, you're just, you're now obligated to hold the whole law. If you do this, right. uh, 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 when I was growing up, uh, there was a rock band called the who, I don't know if you know, I who am aware is. of them. you yes. know, the who, okay. <laughs> and they have a song that was really popular. It's about, you know, it's called, uh, we don't get fooled again. And it's kind of this 
guy who sings about, you know, part being a part of a new revolution. And it's really interesting. The end of the, the chorus goes this way. And then he ends a song with these lyrics. He goes, I'll tip my hat to the new constitution, take a bow for the new revolution, smile and grin at the change all around, pick up my guitar and play just like yesterday. Then I'll get on my knees and pray. We don't get fooled again. Mm. We don't get fooled again. No, no. And then he finishes his song. He goes, yeah, meet the new boss. Same as the old boss. Mm. And the whole point is, he goes, I was into this revolution. And then I realize it's just exactly as the old one. Right. It's all about power and control. So that's, he's saying, look, don't get fooled. again and just trade one boss for a different boss right. you were it is for freedom that christ set us free let's we have to say that is the point is to be free not to be more burdened more oppressed more restricted but to be free right and that's the goal and so what's interesting is it's like it's like not switching to a new religion it's like moving from communism you know to america with freedom Uh, So I have to address the way I deal with guilt now and ask myself, am I resolving it or carrying it? Or am I trying to take care of it myself with my own intrinsic habits of how I dealt with it in the past? Is that what I'm doing? Or am I trying to actually live in freedom because Christ has set me free from that? Now, if I try to do it myself, guess what? The new boss is the same as the old boss. So I, I may know Christ, but I'm, I'm severed from the very thing that's desired to him because I, in the kingdom of God, am trying to do it myself instead of allowing the righteousness of Christ to do it through me. Well, I want to I, I wanna get a bit philosophical here for a second, but I mean, if you become a follower of Christ, but you feel just as guilty as you did before you became a follower. yes then do you really understand salvation? I guess it's not even philo- philosophical. It's more just like a, yeah. uh, an, an understanding of the thing you're signed up for, right? Like yeah. you said, I believe this. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. I, I understand what he did for me. But then you kind of signed the contract and didn't really read all of the, like, the parts saying, you don't have to feel this way anymore. I set you free from mm-hmm. that. You don't have to go back to that. Yeah. Um, you're not reaping all the, you're not living life to the fullest based on, under this new life you have been born into, right? Mm-hmm. Um, have you really under understood what Jesus did for you besides yeah. just the, well, he died for me and he came back. Like there's the understanding that he died for your sins, but the sins aren't all the sins hurt God more than they hurt us. Usually it's, but what sins did he die for in you? If he died for your sins, what are your sins? Right. And so it's like (laughs) the, the act of the sin versus how it affects us. Like what are the consequences in us that we're also set free from? Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, and those are the things that I think we get half of the equation, but then our understanding kind of stops sometimes. And we go, and that's why we feel guilty even after we follow, come to Christ. Right. And it wasn't designed to be that way. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit like, is there is there a way to better understand that? How should we be conveying that to others? Maybe we know someone who's struggling with this. Like, 
give me some give me some practical steps based well on i this. think it's it's the, the issue then becomes is once you come to christ if you still feel guilty as much as guilty as you did before then you don't understand the the broad-based impact of salvation on you right okay and so consequently what you need to do is you need to develop the skills in order to you know understand it and i think this is what's really important is is that once you understand what christ actually did in you salvation the sins in you that he has redeemed. Now, some people think some people are moralists when they look at God and they go, Oh, so here's the standard. And gosh, I stole a cookie when I was a kid. And you know, I lied about that guy and I was mean to that person. I broke those traffic laws and so forth and so forth. Or I didn't step up and do what I should have done. I didn't clean my room as good as I could have. And you know, I, I didn't follow through on that job like I should have. And so God is, he, he's going to forgive me for all those sins. Mm. And like you, you kind of alluded to this and I want to pick up on what you said and dig a little bit deeper. But the, the question is, is that, well, he not only delivers you, a moralist says that sin is simply an act, right? Right. A person with a soul says uh, a sin taints my soul. So it's not just the act, but the poison it leaves behind. The residual. Yeah. So you can pull, you know, the act is the splinter, but the infection is what's left behind. And so when it says that he has saved you from his sins, he not only redeems the act, but he redeems the influence or the infection of the act itself. Mm. Because the infection trains the way you think. It trains the way you feel. You create these new neural pathways. You get reflexively guilty about things. And so not only does he heal the act, pay the price for the act, but he also pays the price for the impact and the effect of the act afterwards. And so when we, we, you know, sometimes we truncate things so much that we miss the whole point. And that is, is that he saves you from sin. And what we've done is, is we have underestimated in the, the whole, what is sin? Mm. You know, what it actually is it. And because of that, we are unable to develop the skills then to stand in the freedom that we've been given. So the reason I feel guilty after I become a Christian is because I haven't developed the skills to stand in the freedom. Notice what he says. We must stand firm. And that's like, you know, the, the idea of uh, driving a stake in the ground and then anchoring yourself to it, right? Mm. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay where I'm at. I'm going to be steadfast. So I got it. Now I'm never going to let go of it by developing the skills to see how he is saving me, not only from the act, but all of the influence, infection, all the stuff that the act creates in my mind, even the way it, it, it has developed my thinking and responses to situations. And he's going to redeem all that. Yeah, I think people understanding, like you said, I think there's a misunderstanding of how wide sin is, right? Like right. it's it, the analogy is is good with the idea of like you got stabbed by something and it's like oh yeah i took this rusty nail out of my foot okay cool 
And <laughs> yeah. back in the day, that's all they would have done is taken yeah. it out. And then when you start getting this huge infection and everything swells up, so it's like, well, we took the thing out. Why is this still happening? Right. Right. And that's how we treat our experience with sin as well. It's like, oh, yeah, I stopped doing that thing. But why am I having all of these residual impacts on my mm-hmm. life? And most of those are have been solved and redeemed already and they're self-inflicted right like we are causing those problems in our lives because even though the the inciting incident of the nail has been taken out there's still stuff that needs to be taken care of and we need to not let the infection continue to spread yeah that's when he's offering an antibiotic and says i took the nail out and you have an antibiotic to fix the rest of it and you're like, nope, the nail's out. I can walk fine. I don't need nothing else. Yeah, that's right? a problem. And I think that's kind of how we we view it is, well, the nail's not my foot anymore, so what could possibly hurt me now? Mm-hmm. And I think- And you that, have to develop those skills. Yeah, and that's, that's what you have to do. So yeah. is there any reason why people who are already Christians aren't developing those skills to stand firm? Like what's inhibiting them from going, yeah, I don't want that antibiotic. Just take the nail out. <laughs> well, it's like he said, he goes, you were running so well- you know, and then he said, who hindered you from obeying the truth? So I think people um, uh, don't develop these skills uh, for various reasons. One is they may just not know that they need to stand fast. They don't know how to learn the skills or that they need them. They think, oh, Jesus saved me from my sins. I'm fine. I can just go on with my life. No, no, no. There, it has a lot of impact on you that you need to resolve uh, your past life. You know, it has to be resolved. Number two is that other people come and try to persuade you with new things. And if, if in this case in particular, what people try to do is persuade you how to deal with guilt as a follower of Christ, right? Oh, this is how you deal with it, you know? And uh, um, some of the suggestions I think are good. Some people say, well, you just need to worship more. You know, if you have an experience in worship, that'll do it. But actually, that's just not true, Um it's good to worship, but that's not the point of it. You know, there's specific skills on how to stay steadfast. But the other the other thing people is will try to persuade you in this case who are false. They could like these, like you said earlier, we don't know their motivations. Maybe they were thought they were doing a good thing, right? right. We don't know, but it doesn't matter what their motivation was. It doesn't matter what their intent was. The end result was very bad. Yeah. And so people will try to persuade you on how to deal with your guilt. And the result is you're going to be hindered from running well. You'll be hindered from obeying the truth. And in this case, what is the truth? You will be hindered, hindered from obeying being sanctified. See, you're being sanctified. And so God isn't just, you know, he's changing so much about you. And the end result is you aren't develop. If you're not developing the skills to stand steadfast in your freedom, uh, then you're going to be hindered when other people try to persuade you in other ways. That's why knowing the word of God is so important because that's where you learn, oh, these are the actual steps to stay st- uh, steadfast or standing firm. Well, and I think, you know, we are blessed that we have the full New Testament these days, right? Like yes. the, at the time Paul's writing these letters, yeah. they didn't have it. So they didn't he, have it all. He's li- literally live tweeting to them saying, hey, don't do this. This isn't what we're called to do, right? right and so it's right. like we don't know their intentions, but nowadays we do know and we have the blessing of having the full scripture and mm-hmm. we can go, is this true? Is yeah. what I'm being told from people in my church, people outside of the church, whatever, that I need to change this in my life in order to be experiencing quote unquote the full experience of God? Is that true? 
we have the standard. We right. go to we the can go and we can and we read go, it ourselves. This is what I get out of it, right? And that's mm-hmm. the that's why we, this podcast is so set on making sure you guys learn to think for yourself so that you can go to the scriptures, read it and go, yeah, that's not what I got out of this. And you know, it's, I don't think that that's the way, right. And you can make that choice for yourself. You're not following a celebrity personality. You're not following your neighbor just because they're really nice to you. You are going, I know what I believe, why I believe it. And I know it for myself. I'm not dependent on someone else to tell me. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the steps of developing the skills, because once you learn the Bible, it teaches you what, that you're free, right? You're free. Yeah. So now you know it, you believe it and nobody can talk you out of it. Yes. So talk to me as we're wrapping up. How do we respond to people who believe it doesn't matter what you do because you've already been set free from everything? So this like affirming idea of just go out and live your life because you've just been set free from anything you ever have to worry about. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, maybe this is, you know, I'm, I'm speculating here. But maybe this is the intent of why these guys were teaching you have to also be Jewish because their fear was, well, if you tell people they're free, they're just going to do whatever they want. Oh, they were trying to like keep the pendulum from swinging too far. I, yeah, may, I don't know. But their intent, right? th- that is a theme, though, that comes up. Paul actually addresses that in Romans. He says, do we go on sinning, sinning. so that grace might increase? Right. Right. He goes, yeah, you don't get the point (laughs) if you do that. Well, the point of freedom is not to indulge in guilt producing stuff. Okay. Remember how I talked about the gap? Yeah. Right. So the key is, is that when you're freed from guilt, the goal isn't to get a bigger gap, right? (laughs) Don't make a bigger gap. Don't participate in the guilt producing things because what happens is when you do that, All you do is you're reinforcing that old emotional reflex of guilt. You're just making it worse. You're not making it better. Mm. Um, And that's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter four is that the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. It's what you're doing is futile. He says in verse 13, you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. In other words, to do whatever you want, Mm -hmm. it's an opportunity for you to live a life in service to others. So notice, notice the shift there is he saying is that the gap is often created because I'm, uh, all human beings are selfish. We all want to think of ourselves first. And what he's saying is that if you try to use freedom, right, to enhance your selfishness, you're just in a bigger prison, mm. right? He says, but if you use your freedom to enhance your humility and your regard for others, right? Your love, that's what it's all about. That's where joy comes from. I, you know, he goes, why do I want to do things that sensitize me to guilt? Okay. But when Jesus has uh, basically set me free from guilt, I want to avoid the things that continually sensitize me to guilt, right? And I want it resolved and I want it to go. So the issue here is that we're free now to serve, not in selfishness, but in love. We can live in love. We can walk in love. We can know full well that I'm not perfect. I'm not pristine. I'm not complete, but I'm not bound and trapped by selfish, unresolved guilt. So, if I would try to do these things, you know, uh, before, uh, if, if I can't do these things without guilt, then I had no joy, not growth, not blessing. In other words, uh, let me, uh, okay. I, I kind of, I need to phrase this properly. If I'm doing what's right out of guilt, 
then I don't have any love. I have no joy. I have no blessing. I have no growth because I'm just doing what I expect of myself. Mm -hmm. And so somebody else next to me is doing the same thing with me and they are the happiest person alive. I'm like, why are you so happy? And they go, well, because they're not doing it because they're expected to, and they feel guilty if they don't, they do it because they've been set free to do it. So now they can enjoy the whole thing. They're in, you know, our society loves this phrase. You need to be in the moment. Mm-hmm. But no, and nobody ever says, well, what stops you from being in the moment? And I would postulate this because you're guilty, right? You feel guilty. You know, you're doing this and you think, oh, I should be doing that over there. I need to take care of this. You know, you're always some expectation you got to meet. So it robs you of being in the moment. But once you can do these things that are good, loving other people without guilt, guess what? You have the potential to enjoy the fullness of it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Pastor, for uh, sharing this study on the Bible with us today for diving into Galatians with us. And, and I'm, I'm sad to see this, this series go, but I, it's just so good. It's so good. It's so good. And it's revealing a lot in a lot of people. And I think that's amazing. And God's doing it to you do some great work in people these days. Mm-hmm. But, um, just want to mention as we wrap up, if you haven't uh, subscribed to the new Salty Pastor YouTube channel, even if you're a podcast-only listener, if you do that, it helps us out a lot. We'd really appreciate it. It helps get the algorithm moving in our direction so that this might get shared with someone who's not actively looking for it, and that might transform a life. So take the five seconds it takes to click on the button for us and leave a like, leave a comment. If there's something that's resonating with you, we love to read the comments that you guys leave for us about what is resonating and what we're talking about during these podcast because that helps us understand that you know this is making an impact in your life too so we love to see those comments as well so thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll see you on thursday here on the salty pastor podcast blessings